Welcome to the Campus Report, the inaugural edition for 2011 from our studios in Baden, Pennsylvania with your host Jeff, Jeff Rosalinski and my name is Eric Krause. We cover all NCAA sports throughout the Pittsburgh area, Pitt, Duquesne and Robert Morris. So be here every weekend or close to every weekend for all up-to-date happenings in the world of college sports in the Pittsburgh area. Thanks a lot, Big Red. Our first topic of discussion today is going to be the NCAA tournament as it uh, pertains to the Pitt Panthers. It was another great season for the Pitt Panthers as they won the Big East regular season title. Once again, frustration sets in during the Big East tournament and the NCAA tournament. A lot of discussion around town as to the coaching uh, effort by Coach Dixon and whether or not that he should be let go or retained. What are your thoughts there, Big Red? Well, Jeff, you have to, um, you know, you said one word, you used the word great. I don't know if you can uh, classify this season as a great season. Had it been a great season, this pit team would have rose to the occasion and at least made it to the Final Four. I'd have to I'd have to grade it as a very disappointing season after the season that they had in the Big East, the regular season. You just expected this team to go on and do a lot better, a lot higher uh, higher things in, in the NCAA and, for that matter, the Big East. And it just didn't happen, Jeff. Oh, you're, you're exactly right. I think everybody had them penciled in for the Final Four, including myself. I mean, they had a lot of veterans on the team. You had three seniors, a couple juniors, and that's those are the type of teams that usually make it to the Final Four. And uh, I don't know, I think you, you just might have to start to uh, question Coach Dixon. And, and maybe he's a little bit too stubborn in his philosophies and his style of game, and he, he doesn't like to change too much. Well, Jeff, it doesn't, it, it doesn't go, what it, what it says about Dixon, Dixon is the common denominator when it comes to these pit teams. The, the players have been interchangeable. They've gone, they've gone ahead, they've gone, you know, Dwan Blairs, they're gone. Uh, you got, you got the, you know, other players have come in and come out. But Dixon is the only common denominator. What that tells me is this. Jamie Dixon tends to overcoach in the big games or undercoach in the big games, whichever way you want to look at it. There is no excuse, and I repeat, there's no excuse when... When you're on the free throw line, you make the free throw. You go up by one, and you still have your players on the blocks. That is, that is totally, totally inexcusable. As a coach, you know you tell those players to get off the blocks, go into a half-court defense. What are the chances of Butler coming up and getting the two points needed to win the game or shooting any type of three-pointer with only 1.2 seconds left. Now, you tell me that, Jeff Rowe. Well, uh, my thought on it is that that call by Dixon to keep the, the players on the line for that second shot was irrelevant. And, and here's, my, here's where I'm coming from. If he takes everybody off the line and then Brian misses like he did, they're going to have, there was still like, a, what, almost two seconds left to go in the game? So he has an uncontested rebound. It doesn't clock doesn't start until they uh, they touch the they ball. touch the ball. He's going to be able to get off a pretty decent look, I think, from at least half court. Oh, uh, what are the chances court. of making a half court shot, Jeff? Come on, that, that map was making everything during the whole game. Him and Howard, half court. 
I think Absolutely. you never know. And then, God forbid, uh, if something like that would have out of the woodworks here. Yeah, but God forbid, if something like that would have happened, and you would have, everybody would have been crucifying Dixon here in Pittsburgh, saying, "How could he not have somebody on the line to to help with the uh, defense?" It would be more understandable, and, and I think the people and and the fan base of, of of the Pitt basketball program they could accept that if that happened, rather than it happening the way it did. It's inexcusable. That is coaching 101. Okay, you do not you you take your players off of the blocks and you guard them. You you you, you set them up. Maybe Butler. I'm not quite sure of the situation. I think Butler might have had a timeout available to them. But you line them up in a half court defense. Okay. Period. Okay. Uh, that's what but, you do. But that's that's getting away from the point. The main thing, the reason why they lost, it wasn't that play right there by uh, Nas Robinson. It was when Pitts up, has the ball, less than a minute to go, and we get a shot clock violation and don't even get a shot off. That was the game You don't, right man, there. You don't manage that was the, the clock right correctly. There. That was there's, the game right there's there. There's mismanagement of clock. That means there's disorganization on the bench. Exactly. Okay, that, that's what that tells me. And, and, and it's totally, it's inexcusable. It happens year after year after year. And I counted three years. And I counted three years on purpose. I'm frustrated. Totally turned me off from the tournament. I expected Pitt to go on to the Final Four as a cakewalk in that bracket. You're listening to the Campus Report with Jeff, Jeff Rosalinski, and Eric, Big Red Krause. We'll now join our program already in progress. Questions will be the word for uh, the city of Pittsburgh as, as it pertains to the Pitt Panther basketball team. Jeff, I, I do have to agree with you on one point. Coaching, coaching is an integral part of winning the NCAA championship. With that said, uh, you, you look at the coaches that have won the NCAA tournament. You're talking about the John Woodens. You're talking about the Adolph Rupps. You're talking about uh, Mike Krzyzewski. You're talking about coaches that are absolute legends. Bobby Knight, the list goes on and on and on. And other coaches that have stepped up during you know, the during that down, and, and their team needs to step it up. Okay, You mentioned the name of Jim Beheim, Jim Calhoun. Yes, they won their first NCAA championship you know, down the road. However... What they did do was before they won that NCAA championship, they were able to get their teams over that final, that proverbial mountain, if you will, that sweet 16 to the final eight to the final four. Dixon has yet to do that, Jeff. I don't see that happening here. I honestly think Jamie Dixon is ill-prepared to have his team ready for any type of tournament competition. I mean, it's been proven for the last four or five years. It goes back when they were seated back in the West in Boise, when they lost to a lowly Pacific team. If you you can remember that correctly, that was back in I remember six, that. You know, Chevy Troutman, that team. This this has been this has been a pattern with Jamie Dixon. If I was the Pitt athletic director, if I was uh, if I was Steve Peterson, I'd take a look. I'd take a look at Steve Greenberg, or, uh, not Seth Greenberg. I'm sorry. Uh, Seth Greenberg has won nothing. Seth Greenberg. Seth Greenberg hasn't even made it to the NCAA tournament. 
Seth Greenberg every year is crying to Dickie Vitale saying we should be in oh and Dick Vitale's oh Seth Greenberg I love you baby he stinks and just because he's a Pittsburgh guy no uh-uh Seth Greenberg was a very 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 good recruiter while he was here Jamie Dixon eight seasons 213 wins only 59 losses and a winning percentage of 78 percent best in school history I still think he needs to go, and if you need to mention names, you have to you have to look at it. You look at an example. Look at Steve Lavin. Look at what he's done. And what has he done? Saint John stunk. Saint John's greatly improved, Jeff. Greatly. Improved. Okay, greatly improved. You know, like their team had, I think, seven or eight seniors on it. They're going to stink next year. He fell into the right situation where he was able to turn things around. They're going to be garbage again, and they're going to be garbage for a while. He's not going to be able to turn those teams around. This is, you know, Chris Mullen ain't coming back on the court. This ain't the 1980s anymore. Well, maybe perhaps Bill Wennington might show up. <laughs> well, may, well, maybe. Yeah, so I guess to say, like I said earlier, patience is a virtue here. Have patience. Support the Pitt Panther basketball team next year. And uh, bigger and better things will definitely be ha- coming for this team in years to come. My patience is running out. You're listening to The Campus Report with Jeff, Jeff Rosalinski, and Eric, Big Red Cross. You can email the show at thecampusreport at yahoo.com. That's for the bathtub full of sweat. Well, today is April 9th, 2011, and we're one week away from Pitt's Blue Gold scrimmage game this year uh, under a new head coach, uh, Graham, Coach Graham took over for Coach Wanstat. Well, actually, he took over for Coach uh, Hay- Haywood, but that's a whole other fiasco we won't get into on this show. But uh, Coach Graham comes in from Tulsa. He's uh, promising a high-octane offense and a nitro defense. Um, I'm going to give 100% support to Coach Graham, but I'm a little bit tired of the over-shoving down people's throat of high-octane offense, nitro defense. I know they're trying to get the fan base fired up and, and re-energized because it seems a lot of people started falling off the uh, the bandwagon there at the end of the Wanstad era, but they just need to go out and start uh, playing some games, I guess. That's right, Jeff. At this point, it is all rhetoric. rhetoric. It, it's all rhetorical. Uh, Coach Graham, what he needs to do is he needs to put a product out there. Show me. Show me what this team's going to do. Show me what this team is going to do in a big game situation that they had yet to do under uh, under Wanstat. Without that, he has no credence to his words. Until that the, until that's done, there'll be no there will be no relevance. Here here's my reservation on the whole situation is, is a couple things. Number one, he has co-offensive coordinators. Number two, there's co-defensive coordinators. You cannot exist as a football program, in my opinion with these co-coordinators and especially on offense you got one that is calling run plays and one's calling pass plays you're giving your team uh, mixed messages exactly you need one voice that these guys on offense are going to look to to get uh, guidance from I mean who's going to be saying when we're running when we're passing who is the overall in charge of this offense is it is it coach McGee or is it uh, the Coach Norvell? I, I don't know. 
I mean, what's what's going to happen? That's what I, that's what and I'm so worried about. And you didn't include Coach Graham in that in that equation. He's a third. He's the third head. Oh yeah. And now you got three heads calling the plays, which probably more than likely will lead to a disaster. At some point in the season, you got to grab the bull by the horns and uh, and designate one person to call the plays, and and go with that. If you don't, you're going to run into some very very disastrous situations. Oh oh, definitely definitely. And I don't think offense was. Last year was maybe a problem. Uh, we weren't putting up the points. I think we averaged maybe 24 or 26 some points per game. But the previous two seasons under Bill Stahl, we were averaging 30 plus points a game. The everything aligned to make it a difficult season for Coach Wanstat last year. When you bring in a new quarterback, Tino Sinceri, I mean that just that just set the program back because they started out with such a tough schedule, opening up at Utah. And the third game, or the third or fourth game of the year, with Miami Hurricanes at home, it, it was just too hard. If they had a proven quarterback, they would have got, I think, a few more W's and would have saved uh, Coach Wanstash's job. Now, yeah. I, mean, I mean, Graham now comes in in a good situation. Sanceri already took his lumps. I mean, the offense should be good. They just need one person running that offense. And now, my big question is on the defensive side of the ball. You have all these great defensive linemen that Coach wants that recruited in here in the style that they were playing, and now you're switching. I hate this 3-3-5, three, three, these gimmicky defenses. All gimmicky defenses do is try to hide your inefficiency. Flaws, the flaws. So and, and, and you're doing it because you have many flaws, not just one flaw to hide. So, I mean, we'll see what happens, but hopefully things uh, can turn around this year and they can bring home a Big East title without being a co-champ. Well, let's just hope that they can reach the Big East Championship. Uh, for that matter, they're they're going to be they're going to be contested. They're they're going to have issues and they're going to have problems. They're going to have some growing pains. I see this offense as a run and shoot offense. He ran a run and shoot type offense at Tulsa. Okay, that's what you're going to see here. Now, whether or not Tino Sinceri is the quarterback to do that. That, that's my question. I don't know if that can happen. Okay, Tino Sinceri had it, it was challenged to see over the defensive line last year. Okay, which led to a lot of issues that he had in throwing the ball and throwing the ball early in the season. There was nobody that you know he he could see. My God, he didn't throw the Jonathan Baldwin. How? I mean, he, to the oh, third game of the season. Yeah, uh, exactly. Okay, now you hope that, that Sinceri is the quarterback that can lead Pitt down the road to the promised land. You hope. But that's still that question's still out there. And it's it's a question that needs to be answered sooner rather than later. Well we'll get our first look here next Saturday, April sixteenth, down in Heinz Field. Admission is free to all fans. There's five dollar parking available in Gold Lot One, uh, right next to the stadium. So uh, we'll be down there next week taking a look and bringing back a report on how the team looks. Big Red, uh, after talking about pit football and pit hoops, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention that yesterday, April 8th, was declared Bill Hildrove Day in the city of Pittsburgh. Bill Hildrove, a living legend among announcers here in this region as he does pit football, pit basketball, and of course the Pittsburgh Steelers. Good old raw onion nose from Garfield, huh? That's right, he's the pride of Garfield, so... Uh, 
kudos out to you, Billy. Uh, everybody loves you here in Pittsburgh, and uh, it'll be a sad day when you stop broadcasting. Have another crown royal. All right, Big Red. Another big uh, point of discussion here in the city of Pittsburgh is the Big East Conference in expansion. Uh, it seems like Villanova may be the 10th team added to the Big East Conference. We have TCU set to join in uh, next year in 2012, and they're looking to maybe get to 10 teams, and rumor has it Villanova, the Wildcats. Uh, what do you think about that? Do you think that's a good move or not? Adding Villanova is like adding uh, the CMU Tartans to the Big East, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, the Howie Long University uh, would be best served to uh, get their feet wet, so to speak. I, I don't know why Pitt didn't invite Temple back if they were going to invite Villanova in. It's the same thing. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a horrible situation for, for the Big East football uh, member schools. I don't know why... The football member schools just do not split from the basketball-only schools because at this point in time, the basketball-only schools bring nothing. The only two teams that are worth anything, basketball-only, Villanova, and Georgetown. Uh, all the, the schools that play both sports are the ones that are carrying it. Pitt, UConn, West Virginia, Syracuse, Louisville, Cincinnati. I mean, you're, it's not like you're all of a sudden if you split, your basketball conference is going to stink. You'll still have the best basketball conference in the country. They just need to split from the Big East uh, basketball-only schools and start their own conference. And maybe even go out and, and look for maybe even a couple new members. I've heard a rumor that the Kansas Jayhawks have been approached about joining the Big East. Last year during the uh, Big 12, six teams going over to the Pac-10, maybe even uh, Oklahoma, or excuse me, Texas A&M going over to the SEC, I know that the Big East did approach Kansas, Kansas State, Missouri, and Iowa State about coming into if, the Big East. If Kansas gets the nod for the Big East, why don't we just invite Oregon State? I mean, Kansas is not that far from Louisville. We had this discussion once before, Jeff, where you thought Louisville was four hours away from Pittsburgh. <laughs> It's far. Kansas exactly. is in the middle of the United States. Like I said, if you're going to add Kansas, you might as well add Oregon State, for that matter. Call up the Montana Grizzlies; they'll come well, in too. Well, let's okay. When you when you're when you expand the conference, why are you doing that? Revenue. Exactly. Okay. So if the football team split and you add Kansas, now all of a sudden in Kansas State, because from my understanding, they're a package deal. You're now covering the whole Kansas area. I mean... Okay, you're, you're, you're covering the whole Midwest, uh, so to speak. The king of the Midwest is Nebraska. You know it, and I know it. There's nobody that lives in Nebraska. What, how much money do you think Nebraska is going to bring to the Big Ten going, to the, going there? Not a lot. Even if they bring you the whole state of Nebraska, how many people do you think live there? Jeff, the whole Look state of Nebraska bleeds big red. Big red here saying that the whole state of Nebraska bleeds Big Red. There is no major league sports within a 250-mile radius of Lincoln, Nebraska. Exactly. Now we're off on I, don't have, I don't have, the, I don't have our, the current U.S. census here, but their population is small. So who cares if you get a whole state that bleeds red? It doesn't matter if there's only a small amount of people. I'm not sure exactly and how many Not only that, the tradition of Nebraska football. Tom Osborne, I can go on and on 
I am hip, Mike Rogier, Turner Gill. The list goes on and on. The okay. every every year a as a child, I would watch the Orange Bowl. There was a constant. It was the Nebraska Cornhuskers in that game. If you obtain the Nebraska Cornhuskers for the Big East, I say yes. If you obtain the Kansas Jayhawks and the Kansas State Wildcats, I say no. Well, first of all, you do know that Nebraska's going to the Big Ten, and there's no way they would ever come to the Big East. You've got to look at teams that are out there that can give you markets that have considerable size population, adds to the revenue, adds to the TV contracts, and that are good in both basketball and football. Kansas has a decent football team, great basketball. Kansas State, great basketball, decent football team. And I would even go so much as to try to add in Missouri then. They're decent and to a good above average football team, and their basketball is good. You gotta you gotta look to make that the Big East viable, because eventually all these other conferences are gonna get to these mega conferences, these 14, 16 teams, and and then what then what's gonna happen? Why not include Oklahoma State? Let's bring in the whole Big 12. Well, the Big 12 is on shaky grounds as it is because recently. Texas just inked a deal with ESPN to form their own Longhorn Network. Oh, now we're Notre Dame. You know, it's getting out of hand. It, uh, when it comes to this, I am a traditionalist. I, I, you know, I grew up watching Lindsey Nelson, Notre Dame football, Ray Scott, and that other team that's up Route 22 every Sunday morning on a replay at 10:30. There was no There was no questions asked on where any allegiances were. My God, if UCLA would come in and play Pitt over at Pitt Stadium, it would be like, wow. I would, I mean, I only live 10 minutes away from Pitt Stadium. I would run to that game. And it just seemed that they were coming from far, a far away, way, way far away land. Now, now you're saying that we're going to include them in our division. To I'm me, that's say, a, I'm not saying UCLA. Not UCLA, but you, you, get, my, you yeah, get my point. In a perfect world... I mean, the ACC is having all kind of troubles and difficulty uh, with that raid they did at the Big East. They're not making nearly the amount of money that they that they thought they were going to make. I mean, their championship game was a sham. I mean, it, it all started. With, it all started with the ACC yeah. yanking Boston College away from the Big East. And from, that was ridiculous. From what I understand, they're losing oh. money oh. due to travel expenses and everything else. It's just not paying off. If you could somehow get BC back into the fold. If you could take I'm all a, for that. I'm if, all for that. If you could get, I'd go after even like Maryland. I'm all for that. Because you're the Baltimore area. Geographically, that it fits. It fits. Kansas, Kansas State, Missouri, Oklahoma State, that doesn't fit. Nope. That's the Midwest. I, okay, okay, I agree with you on that. It just geographically, it doesn't fit. And what's going to happen is you're going to run into the same problem down the road five, ten years that the AC is running, ACC's running into with Boston College uh, and, and adding Miami with expenses. Now you're running into a situation. Now you're back to square one. It's like it's like a uh, unending wheel. It's a catch twenty two. Oh, oh, it is. It it's is. a web. It's a tangled web. It is. But I don't think that the Big East can stand pat. I like adding in TCU. And, and, you know, we didn't even touch on that. And you're saying Kansas is far away. I mean, who do you think TCU is? That's ridiculous. But TCU they is add, ridiculous. But they add that Fort Worth, Dallas-Fort Worth area, which is like the fourth biggest market. And it's 
money. It's all about the money and what they can get out of the TV contracts from the ABC, ESPN. The number one ESPN. team in Texas is the Texas, Texas Longhorns, then the Texas A&M Aggies, then the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Raiders. Okay? There's no way on anybody's radar that the TCU Horned Frogs even exist in the state of Texas. Maybe in the Dallas-Fort Worth market, yes. But in the state of Texas, uh-uh. All right, so I guess what we, what, we, what we need is some good leadership from the Big East, which you will not have as long as the conferences exist as it is. They need to separate, have somebody take uh, hold in leadership uh, for the football-only schools to go out on their own way. And I know they hired uh, Paul Tagliabue as a special uh, consultant to Big East, looking into uh, t creating their own television network and a variety of other things. So hopefully we'll get the best of it because th it would be a shame if the Pitt Panthers were left on the outside looking in from all these BCS conferences. It is what it is. Life presents Real Men of Genius. Today we salute you, Mr. Delusional, Irrational, Notre Dame football fan. Season after season, year after year, you try to justify your absurdly high preseason ranking. You scramble to make futile attempts at damage control when the Irish lose to yet another grossly inferior opponent. Inevitably, you'll bring up the past and boast of championships won 20 years before you were born. We wore leather helmets. You'll point out that you have more Heisman winners than any other program, as though that's relevant to the current season. Since the 1880s. Go on, ignore that home loss to Boston College in the regular season for the sixth consecutive time in a row. BC's got better Christians. And continue to believe that you'll actually win a bowl game sometime this century. We're old for the two. So crack open an ice-cold Bud Light, O oh Emperor of Excuses, and take comfort knowing that when you don't finish in the top 25, you'll be back to number three when the preseason polls come out next year. Mr. Delusional, irrational, hopelessly pathetic, Irish fan. Bud Light is not a sponsor of the Campus Report, and the Campus Report is not a sponsor of Bud Light. More of expansion talk to take care of as it relates to one Notre Dame fighting Irish who basically hold hostage the Big East Conference by playing all their Olympic sports in the Big East but of course they remain independent as a football powerhouse. What are your thoughts there Eric? Well my opinion and my thoughts about the Notre Dame sports program in general and this goes with basketball it could go with football it goes with High Lie, whatever they do at South Bend, okay? It is not 1972, okay? Eric Persegan is not the head coach. I don't see Dan Devine. I don't see Lou Holtz, okay? I see right now a program that is reeling. At this point, you have an opportunity to say to Notre Dame, it's going to be this way or that way, or your basketball team will not participate in the Big East. The Big East needs Notre Dame to join to make it credible. Bottom line, they also need a team from Route 22 or needed a team, but we won't get into that because we don't have time for that. That's another show altogether. But they need Notre Dame to, to, to legitimize 
their conference. They do not need the TCU Horned Frogs. And now, well, actually, last year would have been the best time to strike, or right before Charlie Weiss left, uh, yeah. to tell that program that, hey, this needs to be done, or your your basketball team's no longer welcome in the Big East because Notre Dame needs the Big East in basketball, and 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 quite frankly, Big East the Big East needs Notre Dame in football. Oh yes, they definitely need them in, in football. And I think Notre Dame would benefit by being in the Big East. Oh, I think they would too. Because the Big East, like you said, does not need their basketball program. Because Big East is the best basketball conference, and Notre Dame brings nothing. Okay, like you said, give them the ultimatum. Let them try to end up joining the Big Ten, because the Big Ten is not going to give them that same deal. Or maybe they'll go ahead and play uh, their hoops in the Atlantic Ten. As far as football goes, they need to get in there, and it would be beneficial to Notre Dame because if Notre Dame is so great as they think they are, then they should cakewalk to the BCS every year. Every year they should win the Big East uh, Conference, so that would guarantee them a BCS slot every year. And because they're in the Big East, if they dominate like they do, then that should put them up there for discussion for that championship game as well. So it would be beneficial for them. Their whole thing is they're greedy. They don't want to give up that NBC contract. But I, I wonder why... Notre Dame and then the Big East don't get together. Notre Dame comes in and then guess what? You go to, to NBC and say, you're going to be NBC, you're going to be the Big East Network. Every weekend you're going to show two or three Big East games, including guess what? You were only showing Notre Dame home games. Now you get to show all the Notre Dame away games that are at Big East teams. Unfortunately, NBC will set the price for that. And that price the Big East cannot pay. What price? The NBC would be paying the Big East. Notre Dame doesn't want to lose their money, so you could tell Notre Dame, hey, all your home games, you keep all the money, you don't split it. But then all the money for all the other games, everybody's going to split up evenly. Because right now, I mean, they, the Notre Dame screws the Big East in these uh, bowl games because certain bowls, whether it was the Gator Bowl before the Sun Bowl, once every three or four years, they could take a, a Big East slot Instead of taking a Big East team, they could take Notre Dame. I mean, it's just not fair right now. It would be more fair, let them keep their home money and come in. And what's nice for Notre Dame is that the Big East Conference is small enough, small, small enough right now, even with the addition of TCU, Notre Dame would make a 10th team. You only play nine league games, and that gives you three non-conference games so they could still schedule the Naval Academy. They could still schedule USC or Michigan and play these other teams that they historically have played. That's an interesting, interesting uh, concept, Jeff. However, unfortunately, I don't see it happening because of the logistics with the TV contracts and whatnot. But as I said, if the Big East ever got a hold of Notre Dame for football, that would be that would be the cherry on top of the, the Sunday. Oh, definitely. Case closed, and and then from that, there's there would be a, a you know a, uh, a snowball effect. Other teams would want to join the Big East. Therefore, you you know you, you have uh, a demand right now. The Big East doesn't have a demand for anything. There's no no nothing appealing whatsoever about the Big East, nope. and, with, and that's unfortunate. Well, what the Big East needs, they need Pitt and Syracuse, traditional Eastern powers, to rise up and start playing winning football. In which Pitt has gotten to that level a little bit. I mean, after before Wani was gone, was let go. 
That was our best three-year winning percentage since the early 80s in Marina. You think a Sun Bowl performance on national television with no stunk. points? That stunk. But I'm that, telling that, you, that, I'm that telling is you the win. Draw. That's what we're talking I'm about. I'm telling you win totals at that time. <laughs> I'm saying we're getting there. We're almost there of getting back to being that Eastern power. So we're close. We're closer than with Syracuse. Uh, Syracuse has last year turned around a lot, and you know they're they're behind us mm -hmm. and getting there. But the Big East definitely needs these traditional powers because that's what's going to carry the Big East Conference at the end of the day. Not Cincinnati winning the, the Big East title two or three years in a row. That's not going to do it. Big Red, that wraps up uh, this week's show. Like we said, uh, we'll be down at the Pitt Blue Bowl game on April 16th, 2011 in Hines Field. And we'll be having another episode of the Campus Report next weekend. Yeah, Jeff, that about wraps it up for this uh, this week here, the Campus Report. Everybody out there, uh, if you'd like to interject, if you'd like to respond to our podcast, please, please, I urge you to do so at thecampusreport at yahoo.com. Once again, thecampusreport at yahoo.com. And that, of course, is all in lowercase. Once again, my name is Eric Krause, along with Jeff Zielinski, here in our Baden studios for yet another week, our first week of the Campus Report. So long and be safe.